structures to have any deviations at all be consistent all the way from eons back? Well, you can see vast uh, consistencies in language and in uh, scriptural philosophies. Uh, if we're really interested, we can read Srimad Bhagavatam and it explains the progression of this planet. Religion, you know. Uh, how did Buddhism come into exist? You know, so how, many, how did these things happen? It's, these things are, are talked about in, in Srimad Bhagavatam. You know, so, uh, but Thomas Jefferson was one of the very first that we know of. You know, our old president, Thomas Jefferson, uh, to realize that uh, Sanskrit that all languages that we know of, at least that he had seven languages in addition to Sanskrit that he was fluent in. How he learned Sanskrit, I don't know, but he was a very bright person. And so he was very into that, very keen, so he analyzed. And he realized that these languages, all of these uh, European languages, were intimately associated with Sanskrit and that they must have all come from Sanskrit. And for, for these languages to be intimately associated with Sanskrit, at one time the peoples of those languages must have been intim intimately associated. That's only clear logic. However, our history doesn't say that. But he thought history must be wrong because there's evidence here. He was a pretty bright guy. So again, if we accept the authority of Srimad Bhagavatam, it is, that is true. At one time, all peoples of the world were intimately associated. And Sanskrit was the original language. Deva Nagari. Uh, Nagari means song. Deva is uh, demigods, song of the celestials. So that was the original language. And from that, different languages came. But you can see the tremendous uh, similarities in these languages. People that are much, much brighter than me have figured those things out. So anyway, his studies were carried on and still are active this day. There are people who were active in that. So OK, getting back on the path. Um, you know, this paradigm. paradigm is the lens that you see the world through. Uh, would you like an example? Or can someone give me an example? <coughs> Excuse me. Can someone give me an example of a paradigm or a paradigm shift? And I don't mean 20 cents. Huh? Can you? I don't know. I have the paradigm of evolution comes to mind. That's great. That's a great evolution. We, that's our paradigm. That's the way we see it. Although there have been many things introduced that, that say, no, that's great scientific evidence that points against that. Yeah. But the scientific community doesn't want to let go of that model. They don't want to let go of it. 
<clears throat> there was a movie many years ago by the guy that was in those red eye commercials. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Ben. Bon and Tom dude? Ben, yeah, Ben, whatever. Ben Stein? Ben Stein, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he and some other guys put some big money into it and they revealed how, uh, I mean, it's very convincing against uh, evolution. And how that if there is a scientist that gets into some evidence uh, against that accepted theory, then he's kind of pushed out of the arena. He'll never work in this town again kind of thing. So if you haven't seen that, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's, if you haven't seen it, you it's really should. Warm, warm no? No. Ah, I can come up. Anyway, uh, it's a really good for arguing with people <laughs> who, who say, you know, that it is uh, accepted. But that's a good one there. Well, I think once it became recognized, it shifted. It was like a paradigm shift, you know, and then it became the lens. As you said, it becomes a lens through which a collective amount of people agree to say it's the truth. Right. You know, as we know it. Enough people accept it. And so you don't want to be too much of an oddball to not accept it. So it's kind of like a relative truth, isn't it? I mean, it, enough people say it's true, then you got to go along with that or you don't look so smart. No matter, even if you're far smarter than the rest of them, you see? So, and that's important to many people to stay status quo keep up with the Joneses, want to be part of the herd, want to stay in the herd, you know. So I'll go along with these things. So I, I adapt and accept uh, as the truth whatever that paradigm is that I'm following. Evolution is a perfect example. So uh, as I was talking about Srimad Bhagavatam, Srimad Bhagavatam explains everything. Everything is explained in Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, <clears throat> because there are so many books, a lot of people think, oh, it's so much reading, I don't want to do that. Well, you really ought to. Just take one and start reading it. And you don't have to do it, finish the whole thing this year or this week. Just read it at your leisure, you know, and get this knowledge. So. Speaking of Srimad Bhagavatam, let's talk about this paradigm of this material world. So, uh, Sukadev Goswami is the speaker, and he says in Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th canto, 87th chapter, 2nd verse, Sukadev Goswami said, The Supreme Lord manifested the material intelligence, senses, mind, and vital air of the living entities so that they can indulge their desires for sense gratification. Take repeated births to engage in fruitive activities, become elevated in future lives, and ultimately attain liberation. Wow, that is way deep. Way deep. This kind of explains the whole scene in like one big long sentence. <clears throat> so. The Supreme Lord manifested the material intelligence, material intelligence, things that are material, intelligence that has nothing to do with 
God. You know, how to build a car, how to build an airplane. E equals mc squared, blah, blah, blah. So that material intelligence is there. Your senses, these material senses. Now, you are not a senseless uh, entity. You have transcendental senses. And since you're a part and parcel of Krishna, you have unlimited senses. But since you are in this material body, uh, your senses have been limited to five. You see? So we get to perceive because I'm seeing the world through the eyes of this body and I'm thinking I am this body. So therefore, I think that the only perception of anything is through my five senses. And that way, that's my paradigm. That's how I perceive. That's how I understand. You see? The first sense that develops is typically, in most of us, is what? What do you think? Taste. Huh? Taste. Taste, yeah. Who said that? Yeah. I mean, if you give something to a baby, what's the first thing they do with it? Put it in their mouth. Um, and they want to perceive it. You can show it to them, they'll go... So I want to examine it, you know. So I'm perceiving through my taste. I saw, but I can't really tell much about, so I got to stick it in my mouth. So we're much older than that, and so now we've got, well, I can hear, I can see, taste, and smell. So these other things have developed, but this is your, just like the baby was very limited with his taste, he can't understand what you're saying to him. He doesn't know what it is when you show it to him. You see? Smell. So, but I can rely on my taste. So that's his limitation. So as you grow up, your sense perception grows. And we think that since I'm this body, I've developed all of my senses. Well, we're so wrong. I'm limited into this consciousness that I am the body and that I perceive through my five senses. They say, seeing is believing. You know, well, you know, that's not, it's not even scientific. You see? <clears throat> but do we see the truth? What does that mean, see the truth? You ever heard that? Huh? Grasp it? Come yeah, but why see? With our eyes, you mean? It, it means the truth. I'm starting, I see something and as I realize it, I picture it. Mm. Mm. I, pic I can picture it. Mm. Until I can picture it, it's just something I, can, I repeat. Mm. You say this, okay, let's accept that that's true. But when I grasp it myself, I, I get a picture of it. So, to see the truth means get it etched in your mind, you see. It's not the truth today, you see. Although you may think it's the absolute because it becomes your paradigm. It's the lens through which you see the world. So, uh, 
So Krishna has created the material uh, uh, intelligence, the senses, the mind, and the vital air of the living entities so that they can indulge their desires for sense gratification. You wanted to come and enjoy separate from Krishna. That's not possible. God is the source of everything. No matter what name you want to put on God, that is an absolute truth. If you accept the existence of a God, then that God is the source of everything. I don't think anybody, any theologian could argue with that. I don't think any would, but some of them might. Just because we say it and we're not part of their faith, they may want to argue because they feel like I have a duty to argue. Well, you're Lord Krishna, you can't be true. You can't be right. You know? Well, I'm the only thing that's right. So I've got to argue with you, although that's foolish. God is the source of everything. Does anybody know of a, of a religion that does not agree with that? Well, I think um, Buddhism is more about developing godly qualities so they don't really even see God as being a source because we are God kind of thing. Actually, Buddhism doesn't recognize the existence of the Supreme. Do you know anything about Buddhism? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Buddha What's, was Krishna, right? Yeah, but Buddha they don't recognize Supreme, that. Yeah. Srimad Bhagavatam predicted him thousands of years before he came. Just because the ceremonies were getting degraded, right? The, yeah. Krishna appeared as Lord Buddha because people were using animal sacrifice as just a quick way to eat meat. You know, you cook your, instead of having an animal sacrifice in previous ages that was accepted, <coughs> not every day, you know, maybe once a year or something. So people were using it to, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So Krishna came as Lord Buddha and defeated that. So. Pretty ironic. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, no, Buddha, Buddhism is, is basically, no, it doesn't talk about God, the existence of God. Everything is basically void. Does anybody know anything different? A lot of people think that, oh no, Buddhism, yeah, they talk about, they don't see Buddha as God. I mean, somebody who really knows the Buddhist philosophy, you can say, well, Buddha's not God. And they'll say, well, I know that. There's no such thing. There is no entity like that, God. You see? Well, what would they call what Buddha? Huh? If you had to put a, what would a Buddhist call Buddha? If they had to put a label on it? Buddha. Teacher, yeah, guide? That, was, that wasn't his name. That was his title. That's what they called him. Oh, the Buddha. Person, personal name. Enlightened one, maybe? Enlightened. Enlightened. The enlightened one? There's a, there's, there's a Sanskrit term that they used for him. Buddha came from India, so... There's two conceptions of Buddha, though. There's, there's a real Buddha and there's a, a modern-day kind of idea of Buddha. Yeah, the modern day is just fairy tale, you know. But there's a real Buddha. There's a real Buddha, yeah. 
And there are real Buddhists, but there are, last I heard, there were 30, 37 different uh, people who follow Buddhism, or different sects. Is there, so, you learn about a Buddhist sect that worships deities of Vishnu? Um, I had seen that image on Facebook, and they reminded me again. Yeah. So, interesting. Everything comes from, the, if you believe, if you're a theist, and you believe in God, then you can't dispute that everything comes from this entity, this uh, supreme entity. So therefore, religion comes from that entity too. So as it comes from that entity, it's pure, right? It's like as water comes up out of the spring, it's like they used to say in the country, uh, in the south, water tastes sweeter by the, at the mouth of the spring. Meaning you get to the close, you get to the highest authority to receive information, rather than when it's gossiped down downstream. So water tastes sweeter at the mouth, mouth of the stream. It's just come out of the out of the, the the ground. You know the spring is. So the water does taste sweeter there. By the time it flows down and gets contaminated, it it doesn't taste that good. I've had that experience. Living in the mountains and where they actually have springs and things. In Knoxville? <laughs> oh, all over that part of the world yeah. over there. The Appalachia Trail. So, uh, yeah. So, as religion comes from God, it's in its purest form. As it mutates, because a whole bunch of people want to change it, it gets less sweet. You see? So, uh, Christianity was the sweetest when it was coming from Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now, what man has done to it since then, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. You would usually say that when it was touched by contaminated consciousness, because on the other, when it's touched by contaminated consciousness, right. because yeah. when we were saying that it actually got sweeter when... Like Sukadeva Swami narrated Bhagavatam, they said it was getting even sweeter. It even, it even gets sweeter. Yeah. But he's not contaminated. He doesn't have material consciousness. You see, he was enlightened. And he would, an enlightened one means that he, accept, he, he receives the truth from someone who has the truth. And then in such a situation, that person can give the truth to you. Unless they get in there and start to monkey with it and change a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Well, I don't think we need this. Let's take that out. And I think we ought to put in this. No, come on. So then it becomes adulterated. So, uh, Sukha, uh, the bird, Parrot. Uh, what does that come from? Um, in India, you can find some fruit stands, and it's known, it's a known fact, that when the, when the parrot pecks a fruit, that fruit becomes sweeter. That's a fact. How it works, I don't know. And so those fruits are more expensive. They'll be on the top row, and they're more expensive. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, do, you think it, do you think that the parrot just kind of naturally knows this the more sweeter, riper fruit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it has to do with their senses. I don't know. But when he pecks it, when he takes a bite out of it, that saliva or whatever happens there makes that fruit sweeter. So Sukadev, when he spoke the, uh, the absolute truth, it became even sweeter because it's spoken by one who doesn't deviate, you see. He's not deviating whatsoever. So uh, this becomes the truth uh, as we see it. Krishna created the mind and the vital air living entities so that they could indulge their desires for sense gratification. I have desires and I'm here with Krishna. And my desires have nothing to do with my loving relationship with Krishna. So I need a whole different world. I need a different paradigm. I need the reality here doesn't work for me and my desires. I can't enact my plan here. So Krishna says, that's okay. I'll give you a whole new paradigm. A world where it's all about you and sense gratification. And I'll give you some senses that you can, and a mind that will focus on, uh, the mind will focus your, uh, on a certain type of nose and a certain type of scent that's a, uh, appealing to that nose, a certain tongue and a certain taste that's appealing to that tongue. And there are 8,400,000 species of life and there are all these different combinations of tastes and desires that you can have. You see? So I've just created this for you. And you're going to believe that this is the only reality. So off you go. You're into the material world. Um, and you'll take repeated births to engage in fruitive activities. Fruitive activity. I want something. I don't have enough. I'm not enjoying on a high enough level. I want something. So I want to do some activity and get some fruit for my actions. You know, I work, I get paid. You see what I mean? Because with that, uh, with this action, I'll increase my enjoyment. This becomes our truth. And, and many people in the world will say, well, that is the truth, isn't it? That's your truth for where you are right now. Under your time, your place, and your circumstances, let's just say that's your truth. I work, I get, I enjoy, but it's never enough, so I need more. So I work, I get, I enjoy, and repeat. It's like they say, what is it, on the hair shampoo? Wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> you know, why? Because we need you to use twice as much. You'll buy twice as much. <laughs> you know. So, take these repeated births and, and deaths to engage in fruit of activities, become, and then, after some time, you'll become elevated in future lives and ultimately attain liberation. So it's not like Krishna's giving you this desire that you want, and you're trapped here with no hope of ever getting out. 
you know. No, ultimately you'll ride the merry-go-round enough until you get a little sick of it, you know. So then you'll desire. I want, you know, I want, I want to transcend this repeated thing that I've been going through. And so uh, Krishna is saying this. Uh, and ultimately attain liberation. So that's where the truth comes in. When I really get tired of this chewing the chewed, doing, chewing that which I've already chewed again and again and again, I start to look for something a little bit more. And not just more of what I already have. Something different. You know, I, you uh, I, I'm begging for some different uh, equation here because this paradigm isn't working for me. This truth that I'm in can't be the all in all. There's got to be more. So at that point, the sincerity in your heart causes Krishna to, to help you. He's thinking, oh, we're wanting more. You know, hey, Radha, look, I think they're looking for me. They just don't know it. So Radha is saying, Krishna, help. Help them, come on. Well, Radha Rani is your friend. She's always telling Krishna, oh, look, just see how sincere Krishna. This, this is such a nice devotee. Saying Krishna can't, he can't argue with Radha. No, he wouldn't. He knows what's good for him. I'm not going to argue with the runner. So, <laughs> see, this is natural. This relationship between man and woman, I mean, come on. Then this whole thing, your names and your marriage, this is teaching you a lot, isn't it? <laughs> so this is how Krishna and Radha are. He's not going to argue with her. If he knows what's good for him. One one uh, personality trait of Radharani is she always has Krishna under her control. <laughs> so this is natural. This is natural. Even though sometimes she lets Krishna think he's in control. So, um, can we handle the truth? So we, we need that uh, truth. But it's so different from everything that we hold near and dear. Because we believe this is, this is my mommy, this is my daddy, this, these are my brothers and sisters, this is my world, this is my planet, I'm an earthling, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a human being. We're convinced of all of this reality, our truth. So we need to transcend all of this. We need to break out of this, this uh, paradigm, but it's holding us. We're conditioned. So this is a big undertaking for the living entity. And you don't have a prayer. You don't have a chance of getting out of this on your own. I mean, I don't want to paint a dark picture, but you really don't. And the world has many, many people who think they can. They think, I can do this. I can... I can achieve self-realization all on my own. And some of them become great yogis. And some of them achieve liberation into the impersonal Brahman. 
and they come back in some time because it doesn't give them what they're burning for. It doesn't satisfy the pain. It doesn't put out that fire, you see. So, but they were convinced, I can do this all on my own. I don't need no help. I don't need you and I don't need you. And you keep your mouth shut. I'm going to do this. I got my truth. Where'd you get it? I went within. Oh, well, excuse me. Or, better than that, better than going within, why? I went to Google. <laughs> I Googled it. And I came up with a whole way to do this all on my own. Well, I mean, I need Google, of course. I mean, without Google, we wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't know how to do anything without Google, would we? It's kind of sad that we're getting that way. So, uh, how do we get to see the truth? Think about it before we go on. You're caught in this paradigm, and you believe it's reality. You're convinced it's reality, although you're starting to think that there must be something else. Just because you're convinced that there absolutely must be something else doesn't mean you have the truth. It means that you're preparing yourself to become ready for the truth, to handle the truth. Yeah? To be willing to hear from someone what they have to say, what the truth is. Yeah, that's, that's a step in the right direction, being willing. If I'm going to see the truth, I've got to find someone who sees the truth. And we'll go through a lot of people who speculate. And I believe that they're giving me the truth. You know, I remember back when I started to experiment and look for different religions. Just to see what's there. I didn't know, but I was ready for something different. And I realized that ultimately it was just speculation. You don't, really, you don't really know. You don't really know. Your realization, quote unquote, that you're trying to hand me will only take me oh, a certain distance. It'll take me where I want to go. And I don't know where I want to go, but I know it's not just where you're saying. You see? Yeah. You know what I find really interesting is um, there was this very brief uh, discussion with. Uh, the, the late and great um, Bhakti Tirtha Swami, mm -hmm. and he was talking about his, uh, <coughs> his, his his first spiritual master, who was some kind of yogi. You know, he wasn't teaching Bhakti. But what I what I found really interesting about it is that when Bhakti Tirtha Swami reached a certain level in his knowledge, he wanted to go beyond that. And 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 this particular spiritual master said, "I can't take you any further." Right. But, but I know someone who could. And he began to speak to him about uh, Prabhupada. And that's, oh. how, and that's how he met Prabhupada. And eventually he connected with Prabhupada, and Prabhupada became a spiritual master. But, you know, the, the takeaway is that he, 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 at least he was honest. At least he had found an honest man. Yeah, he was just an honest... I mean, how fortunate. Right, right. So instead of speculating, this particular person was like, I, I can't touch that. I can't go there. I can't go there, but I know someone. Good. Yeah, and I, I thought that was I mean it's it's rare but that is such pretty a cool. rare situation yeah. typically you're convinced by that 
guru that this is the all in all. Cheating, cheating guru. It's like um, Prabhupada says, there's no such thing as bogus guru. One is either bogus or one is guru, but you can't be both. If you're guru, then you can't be bogus. And if you're bogus, you can't be guru. So, people who can give you partial... I can get you to a certain point, and after that, you're on your own. What if Google did that? Google Maps, you know? You know, I want to go to Culver City, uh, California. Well, I can get you as far as the state line of Arizona, but then after that, you're on your own. <laughs> you don't need Google anymore, you know? Come on. But uh, to the level that we're sincere, we will get the truth. Some people aren't so sincere, so half truth or three-quarter truth, that's enough. That's all I want. Because subconsciously, I'm still in that rebellious mode. I left Krishna. And I still want to see if I can enjoy separate from Krishna. So even though I'm feeling this burning that I'm incomplete, I still don't want to go surrender to the Supreme Godhead. I still want to do it on my own. You see? I'm still, I'm so stubborn. So my mission is not to uh, reunite with Krishna. My mission is to do what I want to do. And so I may try a little of this and try a little of that and a lot of that and a lot of this and this and, you know because I don't want to find out I wake up some morning and find out that I'm really close to having Krishna in my arms wow that's scary unless you're looking for it you see therefore people have these different Things that give me something. I'm expecting some uh, moment, but that doesn't include God. In my experience, I think that people also try the whole marketing approach, where it's like if we can target all these different people, eventually we'll get some returning customers. So maybe they treat religion that way. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you. Like if if, yeah. if we try all these different <coughs> things, then we're we're the bound shotgun. to find yeah we're bound to find the right shotgun one. approach. I've also heard it uh, as the butterfly approach. Just as the butterfly goes from flower to flower, I go from philosophy to philosophy and gather a little nectar from all of them. But you're not getting the full nectar. But you're not looking for the full nectar. So then within you, for your truth, you're okay. I can't criticize you because you don't want, you're, you're not uh, shortchanging yourself because you're not looking for the full dose. Uh, full dose. You're not looking for the absolute truth. I just want to taste, give me a taste and a taste and a, and a taste and maybe I'll put it all together and I'll come up with my own kind of thing and it'll give me some enlightenment. But I don't want the whole thing, my God. What would I do with that? So this Krishna consciousness is a, process to uh, help you deal with the truth. 
So, anyway, let's move on. Switching from Srimad Bhagavatam to Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, 16th verse, Krishna says, those who are seers of the truth, truth have concluded that of the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, and of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. Of the temporary, the body, there's no endurance. It's dying every minute. Now we may try really hard to make it last longer. We can spend more time trying to make the body last longer than that extra time we're adding to the end. You think about it. So many people spend so much energy. It's basically sense grat desire for sense gratification. I want to enjoy on a higher level. I want to live longer. So I'm going to, I'm going to spend five years of my life studying how to live an extra two years. I don't see the logic in that. You see, but it, that's, that's not uncommon. So, seers of the truth. We want to find one of those seers of the truth if we want the truth. We have to become a seer of the truth. So, skip ahead, and we'll go back and we'll discuss this later on, but skipping ahead to the fourth chapter, Krishna just throws it out on the table. In the fourth chapter, the Bhagavad Gita, 34th verse, just Krishna says, just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he has seen the truth. You get the truth from one who has the truth. Where did he get it? From one who gave it to him. Where did that guy get? From one who gave it to him. All the way back to Balaram. Mm -hmm. Which is right there with Krishna, you see. So we were talking last night. Uh, I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't feel that good. So I didn't go into the whole thing, but... Krishna knows that it's very difficult because you left him. You left on your own free will. He's not upset with you. It's okay. There's no wanted poster in the post office in Goloka Vrindavan of you, you know, reward. You know, you're not blacklisted. You wanted to go. Krishna knows you're coming back, so I'll give you all facility. You want faith in the material energy? Here you go. I'm the source of everything. Here's your faith. Hump, do you want more? No, I want to be a Buddhist. Hey, here you go. No, I think I want to try Christianity. Oh, here you go. Here's your faith. I got all of it you want. You want more? As much as you want. So, because he knows, Krishna never forgets who he is. He knows he's the most attractive. He's kind of cocky like that. He knows he can't resist me. Nobody can resist me. I'm Krishna. You see, I charm, I can even charm Cupid. If you glance at me, it's over. 
you just glance at me, it's, you're finished. So I know it's not like you're going forever. It may seem like it to you. But to me, on this side of the timeline, it's just a, not even a nanosecond. So off you go. Have your adventure. And I know it's difficult for you to surrender to me. So therefore, I've expanded into Balaram, the original guru. From Balaram has come a line of disciplic succession. So Krishna's plan is, I know it's hard for you, but I'm giving you someone that you can come to me through. Yeah. I was just uh, thinking about how when you're talking in Krishna consciousness to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. And that's what reminds me of, or to be able to provide shelter, you first have to take shelter. Right. It resonates. Thanks a lot. I can't give you something I don't have. I can trick you probably into thinking that I can. But if I don't take shelter, I can't give you shelter. If you don't take shelter, you sure as heck can't give shelter. You can give speculation. Or you can cheat somebody into thinking that you can give shelter. But if you take it, and the guru is there saying, take, here. Srila Prabhupada uh, is giving like an ocean of mercy. The, the guru inundates the disciple with an, an ocean of mercy. You see? And Prabhu was, uh, was over there, I never remember his name, but he was saying how uh, that Krishna only comes once within like a thousand of the cycles of ages. That's like really rare that Krishna comes in his original form and and then in his original form yeah and then within that the blessing of the 10,000 years of Lord Chaitanya that, that's when Lord Chaitanya comes is when after Krishna's original form comes which is super rare so it's like a thousand cycles in each cycle you know just hundreds it's just millions of years it's like the but this immense Mercy is passed down uh, undisturbed and unchanged through a disciplic succession. You see, like I said, if, it, if someone is not qualified to take it and pass it down without changing, then they're bogus. They're not guru. What is so difficult about taking it as it is, not adding any of you you got to get you out of the picture, me and my paradigm, the way I see myself. No, no. What do you see yourself as? Humble servant of Guru and Krishna. If you can see that, then you can receive this mercy. Once you get it, you can pass it on. If you start thinking, I am the merciful one, you've just broke the chain. Then you're, you're useless even to yourself. Does that make any sense? But if you can get in the surrendered mood, then you can accept and pass it on down. So this is what Krishna is saying. Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively. He 
Yes, submissively. Not challengingly. Submissively. Uh, unless you feel that he's qualified, uh, not qualified. If he's not qualified, find somebody else. But don't look for someone who will tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> well, I think it's okay to have sex with many, many, many people. There's nothing wrong with that. So I'm going to find me a guru that says, here, here, forget that regulative principle. Just have sex with anybody. Unlimited sex. And there have been gurus. Uh, Rajneesh, do you remember Rajneesh? Yeah. The big scandal back in the 80s. Rajneesh came to America and accumulated this vast fortune. He had 84 Rolls Royces. And they almost owned a whole county in Oregon. And were just about to take over the government up there before Krishna dismantled the whole thing. And his, one, of, one of his things was unlimited free sex. And because of that, he got millions of followers. Well, that's music to every materialist. You mean I can achieve self-realization and have unlimited sex with any, I don't even have to make a commitment. Well, yeah, I'll, give me your mantras and hey, here's some money. So, well, he's gonna ask for your money even if you don't offer it, so. He became an extremely wealthy guy. And the whole thing cratered. You ought to see that story sometime. That's a, it's a very interesting. I remember seeing the thing unfold, but it's. A, I think there might even be a movie about it. Sometimes, yeah. Huh? It's on Netflix now. Is it? You're kidding me. Yeah, Netflix did Well, that'd be kind of interesting. It was intense. Mostly the secretary. Yeah. And he was only one of many. India's. Uh, Indian gurus that started running over here after Prabhupada got a bunch of followers. They thought, wow, cha-ching. American followers means American money and lots of it, and that's everybody wants that in India, so here they came. And they would tell you anything that would make you believe and give them money. So, um, Inquire from him submissively and render service. What does that mean? You wash his car, cut his grass. It means pretty much what, yeah. I was just thinking it was when you were saying we need on the uh, transmitter from the, the Guru's message and we don't change. I was just thinking it's such a blessing that we have, you know, Prabhupada's books because it's like you don't even have to think about it. All I have to do is take, take the message and give it to somebody else. Right. And it's the it's the it's the Vedas. He's giving it's not like his story or his slant on it. It's as was given to him by his guru. What is this mission of Prabhupada's? It's his guru's mission. Like how they'd say he would read the books that he had written because they're written by Krishna, pretty much. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, Prabhupada read his own books. <laughs> like who reads their own books? 
One, day, one time, my, one of my godbrothers asked him, Prabhupada, why do you read your own books? You're the author. And Prabhupada said, I want to see what Krishna is saying. <laughs> he was delighted. He would read Krishna book, and he was delighted. You know? So, render service to the guru. That's a hard thing to do. We don't want to do service. I want to be served. I don't want to serve anybody. So that brings us back around to this our surrendered mood that we had with Krishna. We are mavericks. We've left. We've gone out on our own. I want to do my own thing. See? So there's a sour taste when it comes to doing this service. Although that is your eternal nature. You get great um, pleasure when you can serve someone. The guru serves the disciple many thousands of times more than the disciple could serve the guru. And when you get disciples of your own, you'll understand that someday. We see it as a material thing. The guru's up there, and I got to do this and do all this service. It's not like that, you know. What does the guru tell you to do? What is this service? What does the guru ask you to do? What does your guru ask you to do? My guru? Yeah. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. Preach. Yeah, I mean, to just distribute this love of God to everyone I come across. Go back to Godhead. Bring them with you. That's the service. It's not like, well, I want you to, I don't know, polish my shoes. (laughs) I don't have shoes that'll polish, but, you know. So, the disciples may do things for their guru. You know, they may do things. But that's not the, the important thing. Hari does my cloth for me. He likes it. He likes to do my cloth. And uh, so, and he'll bring me some, some uh, tomatoes and avocados and cilantro every week. He likes to do that. I keep telling him, you know, is this, is this too much of a bother? No, no. So, but that's not the service that I ask him to do. The service I ask him to do is you become Krishna conscious. You become a lover of God. Mm. And then I want you to, once you taste that, once you taste it and you experience it, then you can give it to someone else. Now this is, uh, this is what we're all about here. Is that clock right? No. Okay. It's close. It's close. It's only two minutes. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) Someone must have fixed it. It's a miracle. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Prabhupada says in the purport, the path of of, uh, spiritual realization is undoubtedly difficult. Yeah. The Lord therefore advises us to approach a bona fide spiritual master in the line of disciplic succession from the Lord himself. That's just what we've been talking about. That's what you want. You know? If you're a new guru with a new philosophy, 
take it on with you down the road. I didn't want to hear it. I want it to come straight from God. If you've kind of added a couple of things or took out some things that shouldn't be, I don't want to hear it. You know, get out of here. I want, I want the real thing. I want the sweet nectar from Krishna's mouth. I don't want your opinion. You see, the devotee leaves aside his opinion and gives you God's opinion. That's like that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm gonna give you got my my father God's opinion, not mine. He didn't have his own thing that he was trying to do. Yeah. yeah I was just, I was in the library the other day and I was just seeing all these books. And it's like this is really like mind blowing how many books are people are writing about all these topics and it's just like overwhelming and then realizing that none of them can do any good for anyone <laughs> and then just thinking what a blessing you know they have what, we, what we're given did you ever go to the library the big library in New York City no it's just like oh, that it's nice. you know I don't know how many hundreds maybe of thousands of books there are on all kinds of topics and they, they keep growing all the time. People are creating more and more books. You know, but do they help you find God? Do they help you find yourself? Do they help you extinguish the fire? They might uh, help you, make you want to find God because you get so... You get so tired, sick and tired so, of the, yeah. their garbage, yeah. yeah. Now I really want to find God. <laughs> Enough of this. So... Um, no one can be a bona fide spiritual master without following this principle of disciplic succession. Someone is, is the beginning of the line of succession from God? I don't think so. No, you follow in it. What is so corrupt? If you say religion is so corrupt, we need to start a whole new religion, then you've found the wrong teachings. See, Bhagavad Gita came straight from Krishna's mouth. And Krishna, uh, Prabhupada, is giving you Bhagavad Gita as it is. Not changing or adding, not taking anything, not hiding anything, not giving anything new, no opinion of his own. So, and if you say, well, I think it would be a little better if we put a little of this and took out a little of that. Well, then you're not sincere, you see. doesn't mean you're a bad person. I'm not saying that you're a demon or anything like that. It means that you're not sincerely wanting God. If you sincerely want God, then you want as straight out of his mouth as you can get. It may not be fashionable. It may not fit with the paradigm that you're swimming in. You may have to flush this paradigm completely down the toilet. So, question. Yeah. Like, um, so, basically, <coughs> there's this dilemma, you know, of like entering a gateway and, you know, honoring the lineage, as well as um, 
and speaking of the New York City Library, which I've been into, um, it seems like this big dilemma potentially um, about you know, switching from the five senses in this huge Maya wording and the mind to um, a non-perceptual or, or maybe transcendental perceptual to convince us to see the truth or just to pray, pray, and pray so much to want to see the, as you share, the full truth, you know, and how, you know, who is my teacher, how, like, I, 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 everything you're saying makes sense in, you know, coming from sort, I'll just say truth coming from the source of Krishna and, you know, the lineage and Balarak. And, but at the same time, it's like, I know we're in this dilemma of talking, even though we're in this holy place here, as well as switching to the perception of what you have, you know, that transcendental place. So maybe the dilemma, potentially, you know, it's like, oh, well, you, know, you know, how to get that spark. <laughs> yeah, we, Does that make sense? Yeah, we can't right. be looking for the truth. Like, we can't just be submissive to be submissive, because that would be, like, really, like, or just searching, or just, unless it's like, yes, this is where Or I just searching for the mind. truth just to be searching for the truth. No, 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 I know, I, I, I So that I'll be labeled saying. as a, a truth seeker. Right. I find a lot of that in the world. There are many I people know. who want to be labeled as that. I want to fit into that grouping. I want people to group me into that party we're truth seekers so and of those truth seekers some people are re they really are but many are biased on what I want that truth to be you see I mean this is one of the, the, the things that wrecks scientific uh, experimentation because the scientist starts out looking for, with a biased opinion, of what the experiment should yield. Rather than seeing what happens when I mix this with that. Well, that's actually included within the scientific method. They don't come in with a bias. Say what? They make a hypothesis, but they don't change the, the outcome of the experiment. They accept the outcome of the experiment and don't tamper with it. But that's in, um, um, in the scientists that explore um, evolution, they're, they're looking for things that prove evolution. They're not looking for, for things that might indicate. If something indicates something other than evolution, well, it's probably not true. You see what I mean? So I have bias to how the outcome should be. Which means, what are my chances of, of getting the truth? I'm biased. Isn't it just beyond the five senses? It's just so... Yeah. Krishna is so beyond the five senses. It's to... But like you said, I guess is that it can be given or given. Go ahead and take prasadam. Don't wait for me. Go ahead, please. Reminds me of the proof is, what George Harrison said, the proof is in the pudding. You gotta taste it. Yeah. You gotta have the experience yourself. You gotta taste it. If you don't taste it, then uh, then you're not sincere. If you don't taste it, then you never tasted it. 
so you don't know what it tastes like. So many people want to pretend that they've tasted something and that they have some truth. They can't demonstrate it. They can't prove it. They can't live it. And, and they get away. They get away with it until they meet someone who actually knows the truth. And then that person who knows the truth, who got it from someone who knows the truth, immediately spots them and says, wait a minute, you're a sahaja. It's a Sanskrit word for pretender. And you get away with it until you meet somebody. That's like if you say you're from Russia. And we've never been to Russia. And you might convince us that you're from Russia. Why, you might even know a couple of Russian words. But if, if a Russian comes in the door, then you're finished. They'll say, well, you're not from Russia. What is this from Russia? That's a really good point. You might know a couple of Russian words because a lot of these pretenders might know some philosophy. Oh, they, oh yeah. Right. So they, they know much more than you do. Right. So they can convince you that they know more than you. Why? You must know it all. And they can ride on that until somebody else comes along. Mental jugglery. Yeah. So what's the difference between a pretender and then somebody who's made He's struggling with the mind, like Krishna also says, you know, we're struggling so hard with the six senses, including the mind. So they're coming out of like Maya into full Krishna consciousness. It's not that the mind may not be deviated, the sense objects. But at the same time, how do we understand for the pretender or not? Alright, it's kind of like, uh, you've heard of Catch-22? If you, basically that means if you are absolutely convinced that you're not crazy, then chances are you might be. <laughs> if you're convinced that you're crazy, or you think that you might be, that's considered proof that you're not. Okay? So if you think that I'm absolutely, positively not a pretender, then that sounds very pretentious. But if you're thinking, I'm just a pretender, I'm trying to fake it until I make it, I'm just riding on the mercy of my guru. Well, no, that sounds sincere. If you say, I'm not in Maya, <laughs> that proves you're in Maya. If you say, I'm just, I'm in Maya, I'm just struggling to get out. Without the grace of my guru, if he let go, I, I don't know where I'd be. I'd fall into the abyss. Now that sounds like a devotee. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, in his prayers, he's saying, I have no attraction to the holy name. Well, we know that's not true. The whole world around him knew that wasn't true. But he felt that. He wasn't just trying to pretend, just write some rosy words. No, he felt, I have no attraction to the holy name. It's real humility. This is. It's not some fake humility. Right. Real. Right. This is the real deal. It's the real. It's, every, it's 24 characters. Every that I've met in this lineage and this in this particular parampara, they imbibe that mood, and it's not fake. It's genuine. The, the more advanced 
uh, you know, spiritual masters in the movement, you can see it. It's consistent. And they can convince you if you spend enough time with you, with them, that, that they're not, that they're fallen. Uh, you can see that they're not, but they can convince you. You can't argue with them. They're, they can actually convince. According to oh, Bhakti Siddhanta, we're all falling if we're not chanting 64 rounds. <laughs> we're all doing what? That, that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. He was talking to those yeah. different time. Um, there was a different standard there. <clears throat> well, for people living in the <coughs> temple at that time, Prabhupada didn't chant 64 <clears throat> rounds a day when he was in his Grihastha years. He said so himself. I chanted four rounds before breakfast, four rounds before lunch, four rounds before dinner, and four rounds before bedtime. Yeah. I mean, you can't run a business and chant 64 rounds a day. But if you're a monk and you're living in the temple, then yeah, you, you can do that. And you should. You see? Yeah. Um. You know, like we can get to know Prabhupada just by reading his books, you know, they say, well not, um, but uh, the Prabhupada here that um, does the seminars for the uh, founding Acharyas, he was talking about how um, devotees, I don't know if he's talking about ones in India or here, but they're saying that because they were born like after Prabhupada's time, that they felt like they had missed the boat on like, uh, mm. on like, getting his, you know, vibe and energy. And so that's why he was saying that he started doing those uh, seminars of the founding acharyas to help uh, people become closer to Prabhupada. Because he was thinking about, well, if people feel like that, only just like one generation after Prabhupada, how are they going to feel? Well, those people probably never spent much time reading Prabhupada's books. Yeah, that's why I started by saying that. Because... Prabhupada said, I put the best of me in my books. I put the best of me, whatever I had. And he said, if you want to associate directly with me, read my books. So if people are reading Prabhupada's books, they're associating directly with Prabhupada. Yeah, in fact, you know, Uncle S, when he talks about that, he always mentions that when he's doing his tours and he's going around, that his from his observation is that a lot of these a lot of these devotees aren't, aren't reading Prabhupada's books. Oh, very few. They're not I mean, reading Prabhupada's books. Though. We've got some statistics in our GBC Sannyasi Guru meetings that we talk about sometimes, and it's pretty darn sad, the number of people who are actually reading. But yet they're talking. And so they talk nonsense. And, and they make things up. I don't know where some of this stuff comes from. But it was even like that when Prabhupada was still on the planet. People were saying things. That, you know, I don't know where they got it. I don't know where they got it. That's why I tell people, don't listen. Don't accept what the rank and file says as the absolute truth. Try to bump it up a notch to somebody in a little bit more of a position that might have the truth. If you have a guru and you can contact the guru, that would be a really great resource, <laughs> yeah. you know? 
but maybe uh, an advanced temple president, GBC, somebody you know, you can go to and says, you know, somebody told me that such and such, you know. I remember uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj and I were in Gita uh, Nagari, our commune farm out in the uh, uh, Amish country in Pennsylvania, which is still there and still going, you know. I think it was 1976. Anyway, he had just come back from India, and we were, I picked him up in New York, and we had ridden out to the farm from New York City, so we were talking, and we were in this deep conversation, you know? And so we're sitting there, and it's, we, uh, by the time we got there, they were serving out breakfast. So they were serving out one after one, they were coming along giving some preparations, and we were involved in some conversation. But he's particular about what he eats, so he was looking at his plate. And this devotee comes by and gives him three chickpeas. You know, we used to eat, uh, you know, we used to eat chickpeas. I don't see it anymore, but I still do it. But uh, used to take chickpeas or chana and soak it overnight in salt water maybe with a little bit of other masala. And, uh, and then you eat them. Called, we call them raw chickpeas. They're just, you soak them. So they're uncooked, they're nutritious, very tasty. So this devotee, we would have them every morning, so this devotee puts three on his plate. And he said, so the devotee started to move away, and Tamal said, wait, 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 hey, give me, why only three? Give me, give me more. And the devotee looked right at him. He's a close associate of Prabhupada's. He tells him, well, that would be Maya. No, no. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, it's Maya to have more than three chickpeas a day. <laughs> he said, you idiot? <laughs> Nonsense? <laughs> Give me a handful. <laughs> You're in Maya. You know, I mean, some of the temples didn't have mustard seeds for like a year because somebody said that mustard seeds were not except because Prabhupada didn't like mustard. But it's just totally crazy. So you never know what people are going to say, even though they're, they got their hand on a bead bag. So check and balance. Just say, oh, where did you hear that? Where did you read that? That's the first thing. Did you read, where did you read that in Prabhupada's books? Oh, well, I don't really. Oh, well, it's there. Where? Well, somewhere in the Bible we get Where? Give me at least the chapter. You know? Now you've got the internet. You can get it. You can search in the database and find out if it's. You, see. you never know what people are going to say. This is Gromya Kata. This is village gossip. Just talk, talk, talk. I remember my son used to call me every so often, I'd be somewhere traveling around. <clears throat> he was in Dallas and he'd call and say, hey dad, is it true that, and he would say something. I said, no, that's stupid. Where did you get that? Huh. Well, this morning in the Prasadam room there was, so after about eight or nine times, the answer was always, well, this morning in the Prasadam room over, but I said, look, don't eat in the Prasadam room. Anymore. <laughs> Get out of there. Get your plate and go someplace else. Either that or don't talk to anybody because they're feeding you a bunch of garbage. 
This is none of this that you're calling me about is true. I don't mind answering. I'm glad you called me, but I'm shocked that this is still going on. But yeah, people will manufacture. You see? Where did you hear that? Where did you read that? Did Prabhupada say it on a tape? You know? That's if if someone is the disciple of uh, of one of Prabhupada's disciples and they're bona fide, then you could say, then it's bona fide for them to say, well, my spiritual master said that. But I'm still kind of curious, well, where did he get it? Where did he get that? You know, before I'm going to take it as an absolute, I'd like a little backup, you know, a little proof. So, we don't always take exactly what people say as the absolute, unless we have that faith that they wouldn't give you anything uh, that they didn't read in Prabhupada's books or heard on uh, Prabhupada's tapes is it? or from his mouth, you know. So, yeah. I think it's hard because the habits that we develop before Krishna consciousness are to have conversations like that where everybody's trying to say something creative or Interesting. <laughs> so everybody's used to kind of. In other words, I want to have a discussion for sense gratification. I want to gratify some sense that I have. Maybe I, I want to feel distinguished, and I'll tell you something that's I heard, and I can't wait to tell people because they're going to look at me and say, "Whoa, you're so cool, man." Maybe they won't say that, but they'll think it. Because when the guy told me, I'm thinking it. You know, wow, you are so cool. It's not that, well, that's so weird. I don't know if I want to believe that. Can you give me some proof source? There's nothing wrong with wanting a proof source. Where did Prabhupada say that? That usually just stops the whole thing. Where did you get that? Not enough people say that. Where did you get that? I mean, it could be that you say, well, it says right here, it says in the fifth chapter of Bhagavad Gita and you say wow I didn't know that now you just gave me some valuable knowledge thank you but if you're, if it's just your village gossip gramya means uh, village kata means discussion gramya kata village gossip the chat 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 of the people just to just to make noise. You see, the devotees have Krishna kata, Krishna discussion. They talk fact. The facts about God are the only things that can uplift you and bring. So find people, associate with people, have people as your uh, mentors that are only interested in giving you the truth. And they've already vetted before they say it, they've asked, hey, where'd you get that? Mm-hmm. And they, if, if it's been proven to be fact, then they may pass it on. But as they, through the vetting process, if they find out that it's uh, ridiculous, they don't even, you know, they're going to pass it on. 
I mean, it would be ridiculous, you see. So to get the truth, to see the truth, you've got to find somebody who sees the truth, you see. And if they say this is their truth, well, then you don't have somebody bona fide. Where did you get that? From my guru. Oh, well, then that's bona fide. If your guru's bona fide, if he's not, then neither are you. Does that make any sense? But if he is, then you can receive it, and it's the real thing. It's golden. It's 24 karat, and you can pass that on. And that way you become part of the process. See, you're part of this energy flow directly from God. This one, Krishna is saying it, and Prabhupada says it again in the purport. Uh, find Guru. What does that do for you? You become part of the disciplic succession. When you accept a bona fide Guru, he accepts you as, as his disciple. Now, that mercy, that potency is passed to you. You see what I mean? You now are part of the disciplic succession. Just because your picture isn't on the altar doesn't mean you're not part of the disciplic succession, but you are. You're bona fide. You see what I mean? And you're receiving that uh, mercy. And you're deputized to pass it on. You see what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah. We all want to become a guru. It's not like you just have one and it stops right there. Are you taking off? I have to. Okay. Have you got just a couple of minutes? Just a couple. I need to ask you something. Yeah. All right. All right. So can you sign us off? And uh, good luck, everyone. Okay. Good? Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. Is this a drink somebody made? This is uh, apple cider that I... When they talk, when they talk Spanish, okay. because we don't have a kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I know. I usually make it when we have a kitchen. But. Krishna.